Oh no, and we're live. Well, good afternoon everybody and welcome to another edition of Overtime. Overtime is our weekly production where we get to do a little bit deeper dive into the weekend message. Uh, as always, I'm Ben, glad to be here with I'm you. Josh. This is Josh. Josh was communicating over the weekend, so uh, so glad that you're with us. Got a haircut. He did, actually. That's a fun story. I don't know, maybe we'll have time to go over that as well. But uh, what we do want to kind of draw your attention to is that we always try and give a brief update or some announcements of things that are happening. The first First one is that if you were here this past weekend, Friday and Saturday, or well, Sunday, we didn't have it up on Saturday. Uh, we actually have a brand new LED screen. That We're screen is lit. Pretty excited. Yeah, it, it was a pun. That was cute. That was funny. Uh, um, we're pretty excited for it. It's going to enable us to be able to show from our parking lot the service. Um, it was raining this past Sunday, so as we did our drive-in service, that was actually a really key function, something that we were able to switch and be able to see from inside your car. Yeah, you can um, see my crooked teeth on that big screen. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Christian, for zooming all the way in. It's great. It's a really exciting thing. So what that does do is that gives us um, some more opportunities and we'll get to those I think we talked about them actually last week in, in our overtime production but we'll get to that in a little bit but also we do want to remind you that on the 28th I want to make sure that I get this date correct uh, yeah August 28th it'll be not this Friday but the following Friday we are going to be doing kind of our last summer flicks using that LED screen and because we can now actually do it before the sun goes down, we'll do a seven o'clock showtime. Most likely, we'll be doing Doctor Doolittle. That could Ooh, be yeah. changing there. We could do a double feature, maybe. We could. I mean, we kind of like did a one nine o'clock Sandlot. I'm sorry, we're just no, we haven't talked about this. At we all. haven't talked I mean, about you're, this. You're at all. The one this is all. This is all brand new. So this is how <laughs> seven usually movie, works. For sure. Seven o'clock movie. So seven o'clock at least. Maybe we'll we'll have conversations about a double oh, no, feature. I really like to watch Sandlot, but there's that. There's the anyway. Yeah, Sandlot's got some verbiage in it. So I mean, but you're killing me smalls is like the best line ever anyway we're let's get to what we're actually here for so like i said it's a deeper dive we are excited that you're here with us thanks for joining us what we do hope is that this helps you grow in your spiritual yeah, walk in so. your journey that hopefully it gives you a deeper look and a deeper perspective into maybe what god has done in you some uh knowledge of what scripture brings and just helps you just grow in your relationship with jesus christ so this past week we are continuing our series with the gospel of luke yeah. that you may have certainty and we're almost, not really, we still have about 30 more verses. We're almost done chapter one. No, no, we'll finish up next week. <laughs> will we? Okay. Yeah, we will so finish up we're next week. Almost done chapter one. breaking out in song. Yeah. Like beauty school dropout and grace, <laughs> that kind of thing. So do you want to kind of catch us up to what we talked about this like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Week so let me give you some pithy statements there. Um, uh, so the whole idea of what we're going through, and you know, you can imagine there's kind of a couple of different approaches. And if you've been a part of our church, for the last several years, it's been uh, what I would describe kind of as the microwave movement in that we're putting some in, we're hitting, you know, the on the thing and we're just zapping something real quick. And what you get out is what you can eat, you can digest it, probably not the, the most flavorable, but it works and it's sustainable, all those kind of things. And if that's been kind of how we taught survey, covering lots of ground each and every week, I would describe this more as like a slow cooker, right? Yeah. Like, so just little by little, you know, or like a big smoker and kind of taking our time, hours upon hours, not each sermon, but like just a slow, methodical process, just kind of enjoying and yeah. uh, considering every word and yeah. making that like this really digestible, enjoyable kind of thing. And so it's going to take us a while. And so we're in uh, the fifth week, but we're still in the first chapter. And Luke tells us in Luke chapter one, verse four, somewhere around there, I think that's it, that. Uh, he writes these things to a guy named Theophilus. Uh, you can go back and listen to all the reasons you, you should be. If you're catching this, you should know who Theophilus is, the yeah. benefactor, the Roman, probably Roman government official who pays Luke. And he says he writes these things that you may have certainty of uh, the things you've been taught, right? Mm -hmm. So what we do know, you don't have to argue about this, is that all of us are living in some uncertainty. Right. And wouldn't it be nice to have certainty? And the way that you, by which you find certainty is you cling to truth. One of the presidents in the, uh, in the past has said, you know, you don't... Um, you, you're welcome to your opinion, but you're not welcome to your own set of facts, right? Mm. So you're welcome to your opinion. So you're not welcome to your own set of facts. And so the way that you find certainty is truth is never the problem, right? Everything else is. Maybe the way you receive the truth, the way you present the truth, that could be the problem. But truth isn't the problem. So certainty is found in knowing the facts or knowing the truth. And Jesus tells us that he is the way, the truth, and the life. So the big idea of this really long series is that Truth is a person. His name is Jesus. Yeah. And Luke writes a whole biography about Jesus' life, 1,151 verses. And in those 568 quotations, verses just of Jesus' words, right? So he writes all this so that we can have 
certainty about the person and the work of Jesus Christ, right? Mm-hmm. His, his, that he came to this earth as a baby, lived a perfect life, died, and then was resurrected, then abided us into the resurrected life. And so we've been kind of going, okay, how do we have certainty in all this? And so, you know, what I, what I shared this past week is, in many ways, what we've talked about the first four verses, our first four weeks is, you ought to have certainty. Here's the reasons mm-hmm. you ought to. Um, but uh, you, you might not need any more how-to stuff. You need mm-hmm. some more, I mean, you don't need any more ought-tos. You need more how-tos. Like, how do we actually have certainty? Not just, okay, yeah, I get it. I should have certainty, but how? Not ought, but how? Like, not what you should do, but how do you do that, right? And so this is a really neat week of actually learning how to have certainty. Now, at, at, at first glance, it seems like a very uh, church-centered, Christian-centered message yeah. that because we talked about worship, but the big idea of all this stuff is we all worship. We'll get to that. But to kind of here's kind of the three points, not usually a three-point person, but here's what they were. The first one is uh, worship is our uh, solution for worry. I should have used the W in the middle there. Yeah. Our way to, uh, our, I don't know. Worship is your solution to worry. The second one is praise is our solution or prescription for pain, right? right? So worship is our solution to worry in our life. Praise is our solution to pain. And here's kind of the, the big aha. We see this with Mary and kind of working through her life is that when your circumstances can't change, this is really, really beautiful because this isn't hoping that you get through your circumstances. It's, hoping that, it's not hoping that you get on the other side of it. It's that you can still have joy and favor and all those things, right? In this world, you'll have trouble, but take heart, take courage, take good cheer. That you you can have courage in the middle of these circumstances, right? And because he, Jesus says he's overcome the world. And so the third one is kind of when your circumstances can't change, right? And you, you can't change your diagnosis. You can't change how your husband or wife responds. You can't change what's going on with your kids. You can't change all those things. You cannot force the school system to be open, right? You can't do that. Can't guarantee. You can't change your circumstances. When your circumstances can't change, and when you get the point that you know your circumstances can't change. Some of you are there. It's time to take a deep breath and just acknowledge your circumstances are not changing right now, right? So when your circumstances can't change, here's what's really important. You. Okay. So sorry. So uh, <laughs> Christian just interrupted, but he, he just understood that you couldn't uh, listen to. This. So here's the kind of th- three of them real quick. Worship is your. Solution to worry. Praise is your prescription for pain. And the third one is when your circumstances can't change. Just go ahead and come to grips with that. Then your perspective has to. Right? And so what we've looked at is Mary as this teenage girl whose circumstances stink. Right? (laughs) I mean, she could be murdered for her... Yeah. pregnancy, right? She's definitely, yeah. there's a real possibility she could, her husband or her soon-to-be husband could leave her. Her yeah. parents could be ashamed of her. She could be homeless with this baby and she is a, a child, middle school, high schooler, who cannot take care of her own child, right? Yeah. And so there's all sorts of really bad circumstances. Her circumstances are not changing. She's right. going to birth the God of the universe, right. right? And so when her circumstances can't change, her perspective does. And the way that she does that is through worship. And there's two approaches to worship. There's the bottom down, which is where you look all around your life and determine whether or not God's worth worshiping. Mm. You know, if things are good, you worship God, right? We do that. If things are bad, we don't worship God. And that's bottom down, really bad way to do it mm. because you make God your genie in a bottle. You put him on trial. You're kind of contemptuous when things don't go well. And many of us are in that world right now. Where's God and all this? Yeah. The other approach is top down where you see God for all he is, all those things, and therefore see the world through that, right? Like, so C.S. Lewis says something about, you know, he doesn't believe it. He doesn't, something about the sun, he doesn't, see the sun because he sees it or something about he sees the whole world through the sun the sun's what kind of illuminates that that's really bad description should have done some more work on that but the idea is still the same that we don't worship god because he's good to us we worship god because he's good and he's worthy of our worship and then we view our world and eternity in light of that so mary does that and what she does is really really neat she basically breaks out in the song yeah really beautiful song and it's uh uh, 10 verses, 9 verses of her just continuously declaring who God is. And so we just took our time working through it. And I think identified, maybe you could find some more, but I found the 16 things that I thought were uh, worth uh, mentioning about who God was. And so yeah. we walked through those again because we want to go top down worship. God is this, and therefore we see the world through who God is and what he's up to, not see God through what our world's up to. Right? So yeah. top down, not bottom up. Yeah, so I feel felt like it was really good message because I think I've read through Luke chapter one, especially the songs, and I just glanced through them. Ooh. But I, I just kind of like move yeah. on because there's this one and then there's oh Zachariah's song. Like I hate yeah. the singing part. Like I hate singing in musicals. It doesn't make sense to me. Like really, you gotta you gotta go into a chorus to, to yeah. share your thoughts. To, just say it once, it. right? Yeah. So it's interesting. There's that John Mayer song that says, "Say what you need to say. Say what you need to say." He says that over and over yeah, again. Like, come on, John, just right. say it once. Say what you need to say. Like the irony of it. So, right? 
with that, in reading it, like I thought that it was really good. What you did was you pulled out like the different attributes, the different names, well, like, the different did. qualities just, yeah. of God. Well, yeah. I meant yeah. specifically as to the week, like yeah, what yeah, we're doing is diving into that. And so I do want to get to that, and I think we even have a, a question, but maybe we'll we'll take a step back. So here we are in these ten verses. It was forty six through fifty six, and kind of looks like nine of them are actually the song and then yeah Luke and then one's just a, a summarization a narr- right narrative right so it's it's pretty interesting as you you look through that uh, i wanted to dive a little bit deeper into uh, like so praise is my prescription to pain like yeah. that sounds really good and it's kind of catchy and it's oh, it you know is. i grew yeah, up i think it's mine i think it's stephen furtick who first yeah said that, right? i feel like i grew up in yeah. you know pentecostal church so that's one of those statements yeah, i was like that you wave your handkerchief or whatever to but how do, what does that look like? Can we break that down yeah, yeah, yeah. maybe a little bit and say, okay, if I'm in pain, how do I actually use praise yeah. as a prescription? Like, because it seems counterintuitive, right? Like, yeah, it so seems a, like it doesn't make sense. So when you think about that, one of those verses, David we, is probably, there's a precedent with King David who <laughs> he's hated. People want to murder him. Other times he's celebrated, like his world has all sorts of circumstances. Yeah. Anyway. And one of my favorite um, passages in Psalms is Psalm 103. You know, yeah. that's why we sing the song, bless the Lord, O my soul, right? So there's this, praise the Lord, or bless the Lord, O my soul, bless him, all my inmost being, bless the Lord, O my soul. And then it says this, and forget not his benefits, yeah. okay. right? So there is something about our praising that reminds us of the benefits, yeah. right? And so it's not that, like, the tumor shrinks, yeah, right? It's right. not that your marriage gets healed in that moment. But what it does is it reminds you that there is a God that's so much bigger than this. And that's mm-hmm. why it's so important. And that's why I almost wish I could have started with the 16th point where it says, you know, in his offspring forever that God is mm-hmm. eternal because, and it seems so trite. So I want to make sure we get to all of them and not that. But when you think about it, eternity is the solution for all of our pain. Think about it this way. Yeah. Um, I mean, I talk about this a decent amount, but... Like, I, Julie doesn't like needles. She is an awesome mom. She takes care of all the stuff. Like, our kids are healthy, smart, all that kind of stuff because they have an incredible mom. But the one place that I get to kind of play a like, significant role, man, I play a role, pray, love them, all that kind of stuff, is um, with, like, and don't judge me for this, vaccines or whatever it is. Like, when you when your kids get shots, right? Okay. And in that moment, when they're getting a shot, and we, we, I think we've talked about this in other, in other circumstances, that literally... What is happening at that moment is they are injecting something into my child. And yeah. please, 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 this isn't a, a message on what you think about vaccines. Just just hear the, the illustration of it, please, yeah. please, please. Right? Yeah, so here's another one. Let's just go a different way then, okay? Let's go with circumcision, right? Okay. More awkward but less <laughs> controversial, right? I guess. Okay. <laughs> so when my son was six days old or, or no, a day old, I don't know, like whenever it was. Like it was, was a in day. the hospital. Yeah, show. so they yeah. had him. He looked like a little alien. He wasn't cute. Your kids weren't cute either when they were born. That's just the reality of it. And so I remember looking at him loving and all that kind of stuff but then they had to do the thing right and so they yeah. take him and they they cut off his foreskin really really uncomfortable like and we didn't we were like see the philistines and all that kind of stuff it wasn't like a bible moment just it was a high hygiene moment right yeah. so yeah. it's interesting by the way you could think about circumcision and go wow you can go all back to the hebrews where god's doing something here that we still follow really interesting yeah. in terms of practically but do you understand like in that moment there is real pain for that kid it's not like you go oh it's not that big of a, it's, he can't no, feel anything hurt that he bad. Can, no he felt it all yeah. right he felt it all but we made a decision it's like you make a decision when you get the flu shot or whatever it is you make a decision to enforce a little bit of pain in yeah. that moment in light of you know a, a bigger picture right yeah. okay light of a bigger picture for hygiene light of a bigger picture for vaccines or viruses light of a bigger picture for you know with the flu yeah. so we literally as Good, good parents, right? Love our kids. And I can memorize. They're getting injected with a needle. They're looking at me. Alligator tears are, are, are swelling up and pouring down their face. And they're looking at me, especially when they're really little, like, how dare you let this happen? Yeah. Right? Because they can't see the big picture. So one of the important things about worshiping is you, while you can't see the big picture, you are turning your focus to a God and celebrating a God who can see the big picture. And he's a much better heavenly father than we are as yeah. earthly parents. So is there moments in our life that are painful? Yeah. Yes, but in light of eternity, right? The way that I would describe it is if you were to take all the sand, I talk about this a bit too, take all the sand in all the world. You can't. You can't compile it. You can't count it up. But if you imagine all those pieces of sand and you were to try to get one little fleck on your on your fingertip, if all that sand represented eternity, right? Mm-hmm. All those things, that one little fleck <laughs> represents infinitely longer than our life, right? Yeah, right. So when we sing that... When we've been there 10,000 years by shining as the sun, we had no less days to sing his praise than when we first begun. It's like, I mean, it, it, it's mind-boggling. But there's something yeah. about us seeing this, this kind of as the waiting room of yeah. a really glorious eternity. So when we 
celebrate God. It doesn't mean our circumstances are changed. But what's happening is we're hardwiring. And there's something in this in our brain. Like when there's pain, when you say things out loud, as you repeat them, right? Even as you like go right foot, left foot, like all this stuff that, that psychologists will show you, that it actually is rewiring your brain. And so when you're rewiring your brain with the confidence that God is good and God is faithful, there literally is actual healing yeah. going to your life and the pain in your life. While at the same time, figuratively, right? It's transforming and helping us see the world as the way that God sees it, which is still good. He sees it, as it says in Revelation, there will be no more tears and no more pain and no more sorrow. Right, right. That's what he came to establish and do. Now, we're, we're not there yet, right? But he still can see it. And so when we worship the God who's made a way where there was no way, we're just reminded that this is very temporal. Yeah. Not that it doesn't matter. When Lazarus dies, Jesus weeps and yeah. then brings him back to life, right? He feels the pain and sorrow of this and meets us where we are. But this idea of worshiping God just continues to remind us that God is actually the only one worthy of that worship. Yeah. And therefore, really the only one who's capable of fixing all this stuff anyway. So all of a sudden, all this pain, I might not be able to fix the pain, but I can at least relieve myself from the pressure of feeling like I have to fix the pain, yeah. right. right? So just right. get a sense of just relief in yeah. some way, right? So. What I feel like you just did too. So I, I felt like I, what I was thinking is that I was going to ask, you know, uh, uh, praise is a prescription for worship. It's going to no, talk pain, about pain. Or pain, sorry. Um, yeah, oh, I peace. just got that yeah. confused. Um, I know. I but I wanted to go out. through those things. But what I feel like you just said was even that last part. Like, so the third point, when your circumstances can't change, change your perspective. And I feel like you just answered that without me even asking it because your perspective changes as you look at the eternal yeah. like life that we will have in Jesus Christ. Yeah, so the reality is there's just one point. Yeah. They're just all this is said three different ways. Yeah. Like if you got pain, okay, here's your solution. If you got worry, here's your solution. If your life seems to stink right now, here's your solution. Yeah. The solution is all about turning our devotion and attention and affection and yeah. our confidence to the Lord. Yeah. That's all this is. So when we so yeah, it's really just one point. I'm just going, depending on where you're at in this, if it's pain, if it's frustration, if it's worry, okay. Well the solution's still the same. Let's yeah. just let's just package it and three different areas just in case so you can see it differently and it just seems like you know worry and worship like it seems like the two can't coexist right like same thing praise and pain like when you you're focused on praising jesus the pain it's not that the pain goes away but it's just maybe it's setting our minds on something you know that's bigger than us that helps us with our perspective that changes things yeah so that's really interesting thing even about the pain piece i mean you go well what's the purpose of pain right like Mm. god gave us pain yeah and there's only one reason for pain. It's yeah. just to kind of point out something's wrong. Yeah, right. Right? In all things, something's wrong. And so, I mean, I think there's something really to think about there <laughs> in that, like even when you go to a funeral and you're and you're shedding a tear, like when you're doing that, you're, what your soul is telling you is that this isn't supposed to be this way. Yeah, right. Right? And so you even feel God's heart and his sense of justice and going, this is not the way it's supposed to be. And you know that because your body hurts, your heart hurts, mm. your mind hurts. And you, deep down, feel like this isn't the way that it's supposed to be. And I go, why do you feel that? Yeah. Why do you feel that? Where does that come from, mm-hmm. right? Where does that come from? And here's where it comes from. It has to come from here. It can't be that you just make it up, right? And especially if you want to go all science on us, it can't be just a bag of chemicals just <laughs> did that in you, right? There's a reason. It's because you are hardwired in you to know that there is a way for justice and righteousness, right? That comes from God. And so as we worship, what we're doing is we're, we're kind of acknowledging that hardwiring that there is a, a world that we long for that isn't here yet. And God's going, but I'm the God of eternity and I am going to rule and I'm going to reign and I'm going to establish that world that even if you don't believe in me, that your soul is showing you, that your heart is showing you, that your mind is showing you, showing you that you long for. So that longing is actually only going to be fulfilled in God. And the only way we can get that longing fulfilled in God now is through worship. Yeah, It's just through worship. And so, which is why I really do think it's important to kind of point out, like this isn't a Christian message. This is, you're already doing this anyway. You're already putting yeah. your hope and stock and affection in something. You just happen to put in something that's not worthy of your hope or stock or affection. Affection, right? You, it's just not worthy of it because it will not fulfill you, right? Yeah. One of the deep sadnesses of all of our lives for all of us is getting the thing that we long for and then feeling empty after we got it, right? 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 You want, yeah, right? I mean, like, so weird, like, even thinking about like addiction, people usually kind of go back to the addiction either in deep pain or sorrow right. or in deep celebration. Right. Yeah. Ah, yeah, right, because there's something that's the, the deep sadness is actually acquiring the things that you set out for. That's why us in our 30s and 40s, we are in the most pain. That's why there's a reality of a midlife crisis, because we have set goals, and guess what? Most of us have achieved those goals, and yet 
That's why I love like the wisdom of a 60, 70, 80 year old who's already come to the conclusion that those things aren't the thing. Yeah. And then all of a sudden they can turn their focus to the real thing. So you're already worshiping anyway. You're just worshiping things that are failing you. So go, if that's your experience, what would it be like to worship something or someone, someone who doesn't fail, hmm. who always keeps his word, who is eternal. And that's what this message is about. It's going, Mary yeah. is choosing to do that. And she's going to remind herself of all the reasons he is the person we should worship with all of his attributes. Yeah, right. it's and it's so good. Like, I think that um, what I want to do is, is kind of go into those yeah. things, pull out those. But again, if you, I mean, if this is the first time that you're listening, this is supposed to be an addition yeah, to the Sunday morning. So I would encourage you to listen to that and kind of pay attention to that because we built kind of a case, if you will, for the last few weeks, why Mary could be concerned, right? Like we just oh, gave yeah. the synopsis of it. Mary's concerned. She's traveled. It's or wow, we miles. would be concerned. We would be concerned, right. Yeah. But this, we finally see kind of Mary's response, other than the interaction that she has with Gabriel, the angel. This is the first time that we see response other than she goes to see her, her relative and her relative has a few words. And then verse 46, and it starts by saying, my soul magnifies the Lord. Like right off the bat, that's what Mary goes for. She's magnifying the Lord. And you had, you had talked about kind of what magnification is. It's not making something bigger. It's just focus. Maybe I shouldn't try and explain that for you. How would you explain that? Like, yeah, I think, it, I think it's very simple. If you can't see very well, you use glasses or a magnifying glass. I love old people that pull their magnifying glasses out. <laughs> I mean, old people. And and like, they one time they have that for their monocle, right? And then so they got their pocket watch, you know? Um, but anyway, so the whole idea of glasses or if they're real, these aren't real, but like real glasses, um, is that uh, they don't make anything on the text bigger, right? right. This idea that magnification it only is just helping you see something that was that you couldn't see before, right? That's all it is. Or helping you see something better that you couldn't see before. So the whole idea of a, a magnifier, a magnification thing, is that it actually just enhances what's already there. Like even, I don't know if you did this, you shouldn't have done this, it's not very nice. But uh, magnifying glasses on your kid, I guess there's not big ant hills up here, are there? Um, are there like ant hills? Like in the south, there's big ant hills. And one of the things you could do is you could take I feel like a, I did it as a kid, but yeah. that was in Rhode Island. So yeah, I don't so know you can about take like a magnifying glass and like get the direct sun and it yeah. could go on it. And literally would like, it would ignite. Set this, ants on yeah, fire. Yeah, so you get those things, right? And so, but it didn't make the sun stronger. Right. The sun was, the sun is just massive. It just brought the that focus of that sun to a very yeah. specific point. And so when we see her and it says, my soul, that's suke, that everything that's in you, right? The psych, where we get psychology from. My soul magnifies <laughs> the Lord. All she is doing is she is just taking the, the vastness of God. And her soul was kind of laser focusing God's goodness onto her, her worry, yeah. onto her, you know, pain, and onto her un, unfair, un, concerning, scary circumstances, right? So she's just taking the power of the mighty God and yeah. placing it there so you got that piece where the focus of god's power is what she's looking at in her own soul but at the same time so you know what's happening for her own soul this idea that as she's doing that elizabeth right now yeah. is allowed to watch it and uh, mary's soul is magnifying the lord to the point where now elizabeth can see the lord better hmm. right so there's this this duality of worship that one it hmm. laser focuses it into our pain and our worry and our sorrow yeah. and our circumstances and at the same time it's concurrently also it's also helping yeah. other people who can't see jesus jesus is out of focus now all of a sudden be able to see him hmm. so our That's circumstances good. our pain and our worry like when we worship in the middle of that it's doing something for us and doing something for the world around yeah. us. So there is this beauty that's just so nuanced. You can't cover her in a sermon. Like, let me right. talk about this. It's just so nuanced because it's not like God's only ever doing one thing. Right. Right. right? And so there's this, this beauty of as you worship, it's, it's taking away that pain, taking away that worry, and inviting some other people to turn their focus yeah. towards the Lord. That's good. So that's when he says, my soul magnifies the Lord. That's what Mary is doing yeah. in this moment. That's good. And so we went through, I think you said 16 different like yep. attributes of God. And I, I don't know how to do this. Like, I don't know if we should take them one at a time or if I should just go, okay, wh what do you want to highlight? Uh, obviously, again, listen to the message. You can hear all of those. If you watch it, you can even see the visuals, yeah. both from the drive-in as well as the- The drive-in didn't recording. make it with the audio. So, oh, okay. And That's the right. drive-in visuals, there's- <laughs> They blew away. Generosity blew away. I right? know. God is generous. <laughs> and he, the spirit took his generosity yeah. out into our parking lot. <laughs> just sharing that's all it was yeah. 
So uh, I don't know. Do you want to just kind of revisit each of those? Or do yeah, you let's want, do that. Go I think. Let's just okay, do that. Great. So. so the first one that you said is that he is Lord. Uh-huh. Like, okay, so what does that mean, Lord and Savior? Yeah, this is really Not important. really a word we use all that much unless we're talking about Jesus. So right? the nice thing is that there's bookends, and they're all good. I love yeah. that Eternals, how we finish it, Lord's how we start it. I don't think that's unintentional. Yeah. Okay. Right? And so... He has a kingdom that will never end, so mm-hmm. forever. We're invited to the kingdom. Your soul knows that. Don't argue with it, right? You long for something after this life. We all mm-hmm. do because it's just part of who we are. Birth to death seems really short when you get to the end of it, yeah. right? Like even for me as a 39-year-old, I still feel like a 12-year-old in my head. Don't tell my kids that, right? Because I got a 12-year-old. He would take advantage of me. But in my head, I'm like, <laughs> I'm not an adult. How that happen, right? right? right. Um, some of that maybe I just never fully developed, right? But um, other part that of that, way too. Yeah, it's just the, you know, the soul part of it. And so I love that those are kind of the bookends, but the Lord piece is really important because, I mean, throughout the scriptures, there's this, first of all, there's this contrast between all the people, including the one that Luke's uh, primary focus on yeah. is Theophilus, who is not allowed to say Jesus is Lord. Right. That actually is what got you murdered in the first century right. because Caesar is Lord and your devotion and your worship and your attention should go to Caesar. Which is interesting, and so she's having to change her focus to worship the Lord, and her, and she calls him Lord. My soul magnifies the Lord. So that's the first one, Lord. And I mean, really, that is not a Bible term. We use it as a Bible term. It's right. actually like a a kingdom term. Like it's okay. even weird for us because we don't even think in terms of kingdom, right? right? We we just don't because we don't have a king anymore. But like in terms of like that thing, they they understood kingdoms. They understood kings and. You know, kings were lords. And so that means this is the person who has full authority. Yeah. Like, so this is the power of attorney. This is you signing that thing away. They can determine whether or not to resuscitate you. Like, yeah. that, I mean, it, this, that kind of authority. So when Mary's starting this in the middle of her chaos, the first thing she's going is she's going, God's the boss. Yeah. So one of the things we used to do at Harvest Church, and for a while I also oversaw Next Gen Ministry, which included kids, we very intentionally used the language when Christian when kids became Christians that they were asking God to be their boss, mm. right? A new child just asked Jesus to be their boss, mm. right? So because that really is the thing. This is the person who's in charge, and so Mary at, at the front end is saying, "God's in charge. Mm. He's the boss. I will do as He says when He says it." Right? Yeah. This is her reminder. This is my commitment because He is Lord. Now she's going to remind herself of all the reasons He. He's allowed to be Lord. Like, he's yeah. trustworthy. He's worthy. He's, you know, generous, all those things. But he's, she starts with the big proclamation that he is Lord, which is really important. Because even yeah. in the scriptures, you know, Paul, others say, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord is saved. Meaning, yeah. the way by which you enter the kingdom is you acknowledge that there's a king over the kingdom. Yeah. So the way you get out of this broken worldly kingdom and into Godly's kingdom is you walk into it with your allegiance to the king. So the the only thing, the only requirement is whoever calls on the Lord is saved. Now as you're calling on the Lord, what you're doing is you're acknowledging your sin, acknowledging you don't deserve rights to it. You're surrendering all those things. And so it's really important that she is acknowledging at the very front end that there is a Lord and there is a kingdom and that, and that she is in this, so interesting. As she's singing this, my soul magnifies the Lord. What you kind of could see it, and you can imagine, is so kind of just stepping right into that kingdom in that moment. Mm. Okay, He's the Lord. I'm gonna step underneath His kingdom and His reign. As a, and so, yeah. and now as I step in there, I'm gonna acknowledge all the reasons why it's good that He's the Lord. Yeah. So that's all. It's, starts, I, so. As you were talking, like I thought the illustration. It's a good example, like a boss. Like if you have yeah. a boss, and I'm sure that many of us uh, have had bad bosses. Yeah. We think of you know the worst example, or maybe the best example. Yeah. Um, but there's still like a willingness. You still have to submit to your boss, right? Yeah. Like he's still responsible, or he still gets to set the what you're responsible yeah. for. Just the question is, will you, whether you submit to him or not. So yeah. Mary is submitting. to So him. she gives up her rights in the very yeah. beginning. Very first yeah. thing she does, my soul magnifies Lord. Yeah, my rights Lord. are with him. Yep. Okay, and then Savior. So I think that this is maybe a concept that again we yeah. understand in, in view of church because we're going okay, Savior. I guess that means from sin, but... Yeah, yeah let's talk about that. That yeah. is, it means deliverer. That's what it is. Yeah. And there's a lot to talk about here. Wish I could cover it. You know, I got a really nice email, uh, or email sent along to me just to kind of clarify. I'm really, really helpful. And I go, oh, I probably should be more intentional here. Like, there's this doctrine in the Catholic Church, and we, we cover some of this, but as we cover Mary, we just got to talk about this. It's called the Immaculate Conception. Yeah. Now, the belief is, or like, if we don't, if you look <laughs> into it, you go, yeah, yeah, that's talking about Jesus being conceived. Right? That right. makes sense. It's immaculate, meaning... Like your room's immaculate, right? Like the, Which isn't the case. Your house isn't. You pretend, all that kind of stuff. We all do, right? But immaculate means there is no flaw. Yeah. Right? So this idea of a flawless conception would mean that there's no sin involved, right? right. So, But the immaculate conception doesn't actually point to Jesus. The immaculate conception in the, in the 
Catholic dogma or doctrine actually talks about Mary being born right. as sinless, right? right. So right. she was conceived in that. And so there's this belief, no original sin, none of those kind of things. So while I, I don't know the answer to that, I don't know what happened, what I would say and point to here, I think this is really important to understand, is that she is the one talking about a Savior. So when I yeah. use the word immaculate conception, I'm not talking about it in light of the Catholic doctrine, right? right? I'm talking about it in terms of this was a perfect conception, right? Yeah. Holy Spirit's daddy in this is crazy. Don't really understand it. But so that when we look at the beginning, it was through the offspring. It was in Adam. Those who are in Adam got his sin. Yeah. This is the only human being who's ever showed up in the world not in Adam. Yeah, right. So that's where I'm not too concerned about Mary and her right. upbringing. I don't need her to go. She's flawless. It's like, no, no. They said he, They said everybody else were yeah. in Adam because Adam was the father of all the offspring. Right. This is right. the one time that the father didn't come from the line of Adam. Right. So this person is not in Adam. So we don't need to go, yeah. okay, we got to use the Immaculate Conception doctrine from the Catholic theology or dogma, whatever that, that term there. Um, but at the same time, I would say this is an Immaculate Conception because this does not have the same lineage. He is right. not in Adam. Right. Now that's more theological discussion. But what I do want to point out here more than that stuff is the fact that she says very, that rejoices in God as her Savior, right. my Savior. This is really important, which means Mary I acknowledges she needs salvation, yeah, that's right. meaning she is not a deity. She cannot right. do this on right. her own. This is this is a vulnerable little girl who's saying, I need a savior too. Yeah. So this is, kind of puts all of us on level playing field. Like Mary's like us, right? Well, she does a glorious job and is a great example yeah. of what it looks like to walk in faith with, it, with God's Lord. And yet, in this moment, she's saying she needs a savior. So... It kind of helps us understand and frame who Mary is, that she's not God, that we don't need to intercede to her, you know, like even in some of the Catholic doctrine, that's what says Mary full of grace, and they would point to this. I'm going, well, that's fair. Mary is full of grace yeah. because God is the only one who can give grace, and you can see it here. So we see her needing a Savior, which means she needs a deliverer, which is kind of how you have to see that picture, which is kind of the way that I would even point out like what a good shepherd is, right? Shepherd have sheep that are in, you know, a place that doesn't have grass, doesn't have water, and they lead them or deliver them to the place they're supposed to be with grass, yeah. with water. So when you hear the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want and it makes me lie down in green pastures. That's delivering to a green pasture. So the idea is there is a place we are and there's a place we're supposed to be. And the only way, the only way we can get from the place that we are to the place that God wants us to be is only through a Savior, right? Yeah. So when Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, that is him just being very specific about how he delivers us to the Father yeah. through him. So in that moment, what she's saying is, God, you're the only one who can deliver me back into the world that my soul has longed for, that this world is not. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's that's good. I appreciate the ex explanation through there. I think that we could even go a, a step further and talk about, okay, well, he's not in the lineage of Abraham yet. At the same time, he is in the lineage of David. Like, So I don't know if that's something to dive into you talk, now. Yeah, you say you're talking about Jesus? Yeah, yeah so, so, so does, here's what we know there. Go, well, it's more about... They're following these lines, right? They're, yeah. they're following the lines, following the lines, following the lines. And so yeah. it would have been important because God was speaking this, you know, hundreds, thousands yeah. of years in advance, speaking, speaking, speaking it. And so they knew that somehow through one of David's ancestors yeah. would be the case. Now, what gets confusing is we know Joseph is in that line and Joseph's right. not the actual father. But this wasn't about some kind of some kind of DNA that he needed. Right. Everybody right. is actually hardwired with God's DNA. So yeah. he already had that. David had it because God gave it to him. So it's not like Jesus needs an extra influx of yeah. David's DNA. It was more about raising and turning the eyes towards yeah. what's going on. Now, if you got Matthew's lineage and then Luke's, one of them really points to, to Joseph's, right? Yeah, the right. other really points to Mary's. Mary's. And so there is this argument that actually both Mary and Joseph both have David's lineage in right, it, right? right? So this is more about prophecy than it is about yeah. anything else. So you go, hey, what we're doing, this is magnifying. We're trying to draw your attention to this God who had a plan and he was always orchestrating yeah. his plan. So through all those people, through all these people, he was he was writing this story that he never took his hands off the off the pen, yeah. right? And so yeah. that's more the piece of that than anything else, I think. Yeah. But, so yeah. anyway, I, I yeah. feel like it was a little bit of a sidetrack, mm -hmm. but maybe some, some of you were asking or thinking that. I guess no. I was. Uh, so let's go to the third one, that God is providential. What, what do you mean by that? How do we see that? Yeah, so that's, um, we, we're a Presbyterian church, you know, so uh, some of that has to do with reform doctrine, kind of this belief, and some people talk about, like, soul freedom and whether or not you have a choice and all those kind of things. I don't, I don't want to get into all that stuff, but one of the terms that I think is really, really beautiful, in fact, that not bragging in any way, but this is actually what I wrote my master's thesis on, was God's providence as a doctrine, as a, a 
um, from Karl, Karl Barth's theology. So really, really love this. So I've spent a lot of time and energy on this. And the reason I came to like, really focus on providence is because I was a church planner and okay. I was a broken individual, right? Like I don't, don't know that I was teaching the Bible well. We were in a, we were meeting in a bar, a really neat place, but we were seeing God do all these great things. And I was a 20-something arrogant kid, punk kid in that. And yet, God was still faithful. Hmm. So I look back at that and go, it wasn't me. I didn't know what I was doing. The church still exists and doing great things in Northwest Georgia, right? But it wasn't because I put together all the right systems, organized all the stuff. Like, literally, the church uh, flourished. And in spite of me, despite me, however you, you want it, whatever language that one fits better, right? And so so as I thought about that, look at that squad. Man, God just had to be in that. Now, yeah. when I talk to friends now who are part of our church, who come to faith in our church, who then can look back at their life for 10, a decade or more, and see just how they just kept wrecking it. And somehow God was still with them and wooing them and, yeah. you know, drawing him to himself. It's like you could not convince me that God is not seeing all things and working right. on things. So right. this isn't about, I mean, it's not even like the cute one. It's like a GPS. You just got his GPS. You get off and then the GPS keeps rerouting you. <laughs> I'm not even sure that it's even that. Like So when I even get to soul freedom, hear me, this is, some of you, 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 you can feel differently about this. It's fine. This is not like this is a, a, a state border, not a nation border, not like a big you know, like, uh, doctrine that we got to fight about. But I wholeheartedly believe I get to have free will to make choice. Mm-hmm. But I've come to the conclusion that left to my own decisions and devices, I will eventually destroy my life. Yeah. Right? I am fully capable of making decisions. But I <laughs> promise you, my decisions on my own will wreck me, wreck my family, all those things. But for the grace of God, yeah. go I. Right? right? And so this is the idea of God's providence, that this is so good. As you start worshiping, this is really good because you can't wreck it. You can try, right. and maybe you'll get really off course. But God is still bending and shaping all things. Like, you don't have to have all the right plans. He actually says, blessed are the pure in heart. They'll say, God, you purify your heart by worshiping him, and then just trust that he sees all things. That's what I always talk about providence. Once you see a hand, God, or see an eyeball, you got to see that God sees all things. He is mm-hmm. seeing it. But not only is he seeing it, he's not just watching it like you're his entertainment. Yeah, like, he right. has ended it, and he's bending and shaping it every single time, right? Like, I got to talk about it in terms of when... um. Uh, we had a farm. I missed the farm. It was a lot of fun. And we bought, I mean, Briggs was like four, but we, I would, they were doing a lot of bartering and trading because that was kind of the world there, right? And one of the barters or trades and like for a website design or something, they threw in a, like a go-kart. So Briggs okay. had this little go-kart. And I'm like, I'm going to let him drive it. But it was dangerous because I think it would fly. <laughs> and I had to put blocks on the on the gas pedal so he could do it. And so the only way I would let him do it, it's so embarrassing, is I took a rope and I would tie myself around my waist and I would let him drive around the pole barns that we had. Worried that he ran into it, ran off. I mean, we had this like kind of like a hilltop, looked out of a beautiful, you okay. know, area. So he's up top, and I would literally tether myself to it. And he thought he was driving. And what's so terrible is he never looked ahead because I was behind him. He was just doing this, and he was just driving. And the whole time, like I am, I am running behind him, keeping him <laughs> where he's going. Now he thinks he's doing all the work. Yeah. But it was actually me that was protecting him, me that was guiding him. There was a couple of times where literally I had to fall on my back and like dig my heels in because he just was. Wow, no, he doesn't even, uh, to this day, he doesn't understand any of those things. Right? Unless he listens to this. Well, he, yeah, <laughs> like he's going to go listen to his dad talking extra. Yeah, right, right. So um, so there's that thing. It's like God's providence. It's like he, yeah. he's tethered himself to us. And that yeah. should bring us such great, you know, comfort. And so when she says he has looked, he is looking at this. Like he is looking at COVID. Yeah. And he is tethered to us in the middle of this. And yeah. so that's what I think we should see when we see the Providence. I wish I could cover all that. Uh, yeah, and I feel like there's, I don't know uh, what that does for you, our yeah. listeners, but for me, when I when I think and I can remember and I can recall that, it, it just, I like I can yeah. breathe out and go, okay. Uh, yeah. Like because there's such this fear or anxiety of like, oh, I don't want to miss what God is doing. And somehow we think or might believe that we failed and now God just wants to get rid of us. But that's not the case, that he yeah. sees us. So two of these that kind of go together. So this is number three. Number yeah. 11 is God is sovereign. Yeah, okay. Right. And so those may be synonymous. The only difference is sovereignty actually is talking about rights okay so like when you talk about a sovereign nation it's the one that has the right okay. to govern itself so no one else can come in and go no no, no this is a sovereign nation mm. we have the right so we see that god bends and shapes all things for our good and his glory but we also in number 11 declare mm. that he is the only king that has the right to do that yeah okay. so this is our allegiance is first to god and so those are those are kind of together one is talking about let's actually talk about what he's capable of and that he let's just acknowledge that it's happening but let's also acknowledge that he has the right to make that happen like it's not 
it's not inappropriate of God to step in right. for us. Like right. he has every right. So we've already started talking about his Lord. So a lot of these words are like almost like this. You gotta yeah. see it like as a crossword puzzle where they all kind of overlap. Yeah. But the way that I usually describe sovereignty or providence kind of collectively is there is a way by which you can know whether or not you believe that. And it's this, I guess that. Like just that, like just to be able to take a deep breath in the middle of all this and go, it's going to be all right. Like the evidence of providential doctrine in our life is actually seeing that and experiencing that and knowing Mm. that. And the way you know is that can you take a deep breath? Mm. Just try. Mm. Just try. What happens in this world while you're taking that breath? I don't know, but God still sees it and is working in it. So I think there's something like, so Mary, you can imagine, her head can be going crazy and she's going, but he... Has, is looking at me and then he sees me as, you know, yeah. in this humble state of the servant. Right? I feel like this entire, these 10 verses or nine verses in this song is, is that almost like a re, like a refocusing. And, and this is my, you yeah. know, thoughts on this. This isn't like I read some commentary. This is just, it seems as if this is the refocusing and, yeah. and maybe not, maybe she's already there and this is just actually saying what she's already feeling. Yeah. But for me, I feel like a lot of the times I have to think what I'm feeling and so, therefore, it's sometimes through that praise and that worship that it's it just kind of recenters. Me. Yeah, that's really good. So the way that you could describe it in that, um, I don't know if you've ever seen a 3D printer work. Yeah. But yeah. it's like plastic and this keeps it working. So imagine um, that there's the Lord, right? Yeah. And then I'll imagine that you're now printing this 3D funnel, hmm. right? Like this 3D funnel. And, like, with each pass, it gets a little wider and a little wider and a little bit wider and gets yeah, bigger and bigger. Right. And really, we're at this funnel that you can dump your pain, your sorrow, your worry yeah, in that right. just leads directly to God's heart. So you imagine mm. there's God in his heart. And so Mary, if you can imagine, it's like a, a web, but it's mm. building this funnel where everything, like everything that you got can just be tossed in it. It's just kind of filtering it down. And so she starts to Lord. You know, she's building it to Savior. God's providential. and you just, So in all these things, you just see this big, like, big wide mouth that you can dump everything in. So when you see Jesus say, bring to me all your worries for my yoke is like, you can see this picture of it. You just build, I think it's Matthew 11, lay all that down, yeah. Matthew 18, Matthew 11, sorry. So anyway, you just see that, I think, in this. Yeah, that's good. Um, so kind of keep moving. Yeah. Um, the next one is that he's generous. Mm-hmm. So he's generous. So you see, as she says, he looked on my humble state, for behold, from now on generation, all generations will call me blessed. That's yeah. interesting if you look at that term. It literally can mean all races. Okay. So this means all people of all kinds okay. can see wow. it. The fact that it's plural there implies a lot of times you'll see from generation to generation. This one only has a once. You're not sure if this means all the people in that moment. So you got the shepherds who are going to come. You got the wise okay. men. So you do see the evidence of this pretty quick. You yeah. Know? Right. So this isn't just long term. We're talking about generations. Maybe it's that. But we're even seeing in that day, God cared enough okay. that He is going to affirm this lady. All races. Wow. Affirm this lady in the, like. In the next nine months. Yeah. And then in the next three years. No, her life's going to stink. But she is going, I don't deserve that. Like, mm. okay, for eternity, we're ushering in the Lord. One day all things will be made right. Everything will be good. That's really, really good. One day it will be. In 2,000 years, CLC will be talking about me. That's really crazy that God, you would do that. So nice, right? But it's more about even this. God is going to, God is going to define my reputation. Yeah. God's going to define my identity. God's going to define, really important here, her dignity. Yeah. Right? And so all people are mm. seeing her as dignified at some point. Basically right. that means and so what that means is all of us are made in his image. So all people get that dignity. But it's very gracious of God to take a bunch of people who have turned his back on him. Yeah. All races, all nationalities, all religions. We've all kind of turned our backs on God and go, we'll do it ourselves. And then the minute we kind of turn back, he's going, Yeah, yeah, here's your dignity. Here it is. So God is what we see here is he's really generous. Like he is he he deserves all the dignity, right? He deserves all the focus. And yet he's so Confident in himself and so loving that he lets his children kind of enjoy the inheritance, right? Yeah. Oh, no, you're, you're a child of the Most High God, right? You're, yeah. you're, the, you're the king of the universe, and I am your father, and I, I'm the king of the universe. I'm your father. And so this idea that he, she actually is being established in this, and she knows mm-hmm. it because God is the one who establishes that, is really, really neat. So there is this, oh, God is so good, I'm so weak, and I'm so broken, all true. Yeah. And yet, hear me, you're a child of the Most High God. Yeah. Walk in that. Walk in the confidence of that. She's going, yeah. all nations will see me as blessed because my, they know who my dad is. Yeah. Like There's something really neat about this. This is You will worship God for all eternity, and you want to really guard against this being a you-centric worldview. And we hear this, well, it's not about you. Well, that's pretty true. Yeah. And yet, 
where I'm most thrilled in life, where I'm the most excited is seeing my kids thrive. Like mm. when Briggs had the 21-point basketball game, you know, where he's dribbling the ball, taking up shots, and going, who is that kid, right? <laughs> I'm so proud of him in that, like, because I'm seeing him thrive and going, and this, what you see, is God is so generous. He wants to see you thrive. And this yeah. isn't just one day you'll get there. He's going, today's that day. Yeah, in this right. world, you have trouble. But take heart and be of good cheer for Today, you can overcome the world because he's overcome the world. And so I think there's something really important to go. He is generous. And this isn't a poverty gospel. It's not a prosperity yeah, gospel. Right. The gifts aren't what we celebrate, right? Yeah. We celebrate the the gift giver. Yeah. And yet, God doesn't want you to live in pain and suffering your whole life. He yeah. wants to give you good gifts today because he's generous. Yeah. And these people are going to call her blessed. Why? Because she's he's generous. Not because she performs perfectly, yeah. but because God's generous. And I think he wants to do that for all of us as well. Mm. So. That's good. And it's hugely different from the generous or from the uh, prosperity gospel. Yeah. So I always talk about that. The prosperity gospel is you get focused on the gifts, not the gift giver. Yeah, right. You know, so what happens is we overcorrect and go to the poverty gospel. Right, right. Which is if... I'm going to be poor yeah, and so God doesn't want anything. Our kids don't yeah. need to eat goldfish in church because people in Africa don't get goldfish in church. Right. And I always say, like, it's, I think it's Mark Driscoll who first said it. If I give my kid a bike, yeah. I want him to ride the bike. I don't yeah. want him to look at the bike and go... There's someone else who doesn't have a bike. Yeah, right. No, all the more reason to, like, if that other person had the bike, they would be celebrating the bike, right? Because they would be so grateful for it. That's that's our posture to God, not woe is us, woe, this victim mentality of we don't deserve this. You're right, you don't deserve it. Well, none yeah. of us deserve it. But that's what, what defines it as a gift. Right, right. And so if he gives you a gift, enjoy it and be so grateful to the gift giver. See it as pointing to the gift giver. That, I think, is the piece that particularly us in Southern Jester County, have to wrestle mm -hmm. with. Not everybody has food on their plate. That doesn't mean that are on their table. That doesn't mean you shouldn't eat it. That means you should have such a grateful heart for mm -hmm. the gift giver and want to participate in showing people how good he is by mm -hmm. being gracious and kind. We'll get to that in just a second. Yeah. Just, but anyway. Yeah. So. yeah, so we will get to that. So the next one is um, Mighty. 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 Yeah, so I'm going to go through some of these pretty quick because yeah, we're time. Um, he's, it just means he's powerful. That means yeah. he's actually capable, right? Like, which shouldn't be shocking to us. He spoke the world into existence. But every now and then we're suspicious of that. We yeah. do wonder if God can. Yeah. You know, it's one thing to wonder if he will. I don't know. But never wonder if he can. Of yeah, course right. he can, right? So if he doesn't, not because he's handcuffed or not capable. <laughs> it's because, that's why I love Tom Keller's thought here, right? I know I stopped in the middle of the sentence because I think it will make more sense. He says when we pray, either God gives you what you ask for right? Because he's powerful enough to, or he's going to give you what you would ask for if you can yeah. see and know all things. So the, the reality of our prayer is, of course God can. And either yeah. he's going to because he can, or he's not because he has a better plan than that. Right. But yeah. it's not that he's not capable or he doesn't have a good plan, right? right? So basically when we say God is mine, he's going, of course he can. So if he doesn't, it's okay. Yeah. Because that just means he has a bigger and better plan than we can imagine right. in that. So. Next next one is that God is personal. Oh, I love that. And it's so easy to miss that. For he is who is mighty, has done great things. Yeah. But she doesn't what just do say done, done great things. Luke doesn't capture her song, it's done great things. Like this could seem egocentric for a second. Yeah. But the fact that like this is so beautiful that she says for me. And this yeah. is how you got to see God. Like he's so big and so mighty. So we just talked about that. Does great things. But here's who he wants to do great things for. Hmm. You. Like this is... This is so different than most worldviews. Like most religious worldviews go, perform good, maybe God will let you in the club. Right. So that you can yeah. be infatuated with him. And you should be. But this worldview goes, he does all the great things. Why does he do them? Because he wants you, right? He wants you at the table. You know what that's like if your kid's gone astray and you want him back, what you're willing to do for that. So this is really, really important that God is so personal. He is so big and so mighty, but he's also so humble, right? Mm -hmm. That you'll see that in a second, he wants to do these things for you. God hears everything you say, and he sees everything you do, and he is always bending, even the bad stuff, right? And he's always bending and shaping all that stuff for your good and his glory. And that's why I think it's important to go for you in the next one, verse, the next one, number seven, is holy, because this, these get, these get yeah. confusing. So we were talking about his generosity and his power. So he's very gracious, very kind, and he's all capable, and he does these things for us. And then all of a sudden we have this whisper come in, this holiness, right? Really, really important. But the way that I want you to see holy is that he is uniquely different than us. So this means when he talks about being a good father, he is set apart from our fathers, mm. or us as fathers, right? Like he is perfect in every way. But the part of this you got to see is he never messes up. Yeah. He never doesn't keep his word. He is completely, absolutely perfect. And so when he says the wages of sin is death, that means it's mm. true. 
right? But then he says, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus. That means the way that he covered the sin. This is so nuanced and so <laughs> important that God actually punishes Jesus for us. He who knew no sin, that's what it says, became sin, that's the punishment, so that we could become the righteousness of God. That's what it says in the scriptures, so that we could be made right. And so part of the problem with this is what the enemy will do is he'll go, see, God is so, he is so unlike you that he is so disgusted by you and he is punishing you. And you're going, so what happens is you'll do something wrong and you'll go, God is mighty and he is perfect. We got those things, right? God is holy. But you'll forget those one in between. You'll forget that he's generous and you'll mm -hmm. forget that he's personal, right? And so what this means is what we usually do when we mess up is we run away from God. Yeah. Like you can see in our worship, by the way, when you really mess up, you can actually see what you worship. You run to the bottle, run to the person, run to the computer screen, whatever those things. Instead, we should run back to God because he is perfect and holy and he is not punishing you. Now there's, you reap what you sow in those things, right? Like there are, there are real consequences to bad decisions in your life, but that's not God bringing down a hammer on you. If anything, God is removing all those things that make you be able to come back down. So where we should turn to and all that stuff is that because God is holy and perfect, he is not going to just punish us. He's going to continue to welcome us back because of what Jesus did for us. So that's an important part of understanding his holiness in this, that he does not mess up and he does everything perfect. Yeah. So for time, I want to kind of jump through a couple yeah. of them. So uh, I'll say we just touched on holy. So we'll get to verse 50 um, where he's merciful and worthy. Um, and let me throw yeah. in near, but I've got a question yeah. from one of our listeners too about worthy. So mm -hmm. do you want to explain or talk through that worthy and then? Yeah. So merciful just means we don't have to pay the price that we deserve to pay. Yeah. And it's really simple. It's just a consequence. We deserve a consequence. God didn't want us to pay it. That's what mercy means, right? So when we talk about God being merciful, like in view of God's mercy, that's what it says. We should offer our bodies as living sacrifices. The fact that he freed us from our consequences, you're no longer in bondage, means that he's merciful. But the next one is he is worthy. And so these two go together well if you look at Romans chapter 12. In view of God's mercy, that mm. he doesn't make you pay this, we should offer our bodies as living sacrifices, yeah. holy and pleasing, for this is your spiritual or your logical act of worship. So literally we get in Romans 12 verse 1 how we actually worship and the reason we worship Mary gives us is because God is merciful. So he is yeah. merciful but what we, our response is to give him all of ourselves, right? Mm -hmm. And so yeah, so the idea of worthiness is there is no one else that deserves our affection, our attention yeah. deserves for us to lay ourselves on the altar for him, right? You see this, and you know this with your teenagers, when they start really, really like so extravagantly loving some boy or some girl, and you're like, this isn't going to work, and he's not worthy of that. You know that if you're a dad of a girl, right? And so it almost disgusts you that that person would do that, because why? They're not worthy of it. <laughs> They're just not. You're not worthy of it. I'm not worthy of it. So this idea is that we should, because God's merciful, offer ourselves to him. And the reason being is he is actually worthy of it. Like yeah. that word comes from this, for those who feared him, because he is worthy of our reverence and our attention and our, you know, idolization. So, so I'm just reading through this question from one of our viewers. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think I'll just read it in its entirety. Uh, worthy, this is a word that has always bothered me because to think that God is worthy of my adoration, praise, and worship is ludicrous uh, to think that I'm worthy of being with him because he welcomes me is, is breathtaking because I'm not worthy. Um, Jesus made me worthy of him, not the other way around. Uh, as you said, God is sovereign, you know, and, uh, and only he has full authority over everything he created, which is everything throughout time and space. He loves me because he chose to, and I'm forever grateful. So when we sing Worthy as a Lamb, another song praise um, it's difficult for them. It says, can you help me understand this? Yeah, you're, you're right on. You're not worthy. I mean, it's just really yeah. not blunt. You're exactly right. The idea of you being worthy, and this is really important, that God is not needy. He doesn't need yeah. your worship, but he's still worthy of it, right? Like right. there's nothing that you can do to make God bigger or make God more glorious or make God more worthy. All of that's just established from yeah. the foundations of the earth before all that. God is worthy. So, yep, it should... Um, it, it should actually help contrast the difference between us and him. Yep, we're, we're definitely not worthy. Now, the reality is he still tells us to offer our unworthy bodies as sacrifices to him. So there's still a mandate for us that we're giving us our... We're, we're giving ourselves back to him, not because he needs us to, not because he feels better about himself because of it, for two reasons. One, because it is the most reasonable and logical thing for us to do. That's literally what the scripture says. This is your logical act of worship. You were a slave to sin, and you are locked in your own handcuffs. Jesus unlocks you. Why in the world would you go back to that and lock yourself back up? So the best thing you can do is tether yourself to God, right? Not because you're worthy, but because he is, and he invites that. So when we say, Worthy is the Lamb. We are just making a proclamation that we are tethering ourselves to the God of the universe because he is the only one 
who is worthy of any kind of focus or attention, right? And so I, I think what you're feeling is right, not that, but I also think the reality is that the mandate is our focus should be on God's worthiness. And here's the thing that's really neat about that. The older I get, there's this process called sanctification. Now, Wesleyan belief is kind of like a, the minute you pray a prayer, you're just perfectly right with God. Everything's good. And so we are positionally sanctified, holy, right? right. God sees us as we will be. But the reality is, like, in the here and now, we're not there yet. And right. the, the older I get, the more I realize that the sanctification process has a couple things. First, it's this. what used to I used to do what was right because it was right. Not because it felt right, right? right? But now what is right also feels right. Like right. I want to honor my wife. I want to trust God with my money, right? Those right. feel good to write that check, to, to be honoring and those things, right? But the other one is the, the more I mature in my faith, the, the closer I get to God, the more unworthy I realize I am. Right, the the closer I get to God, so that what you're talking about is actually a maturing of your faith. The closer you get to God, the more you realize how far you still have to go because you'll never get there. So it's weird. You're growing in your faith. You're becoming more like Him. You're serving people at the way that He does. You're learning about Him. You're filling your heart with His scriptures, and you are worshiping Him. But the closer you get to God, the more the contrast becomes evident. So that will never go away. You will be more and more aware as you continue to walk with Jesus how unworthy you are to be close to Him. And yet, that's the the magnificence of who he is. And that's why I think it's so important to understand that that's where he's gracious and kind. Is Not only does he not make you pay a price, he's so gracious, which is one of them, that he allows us the benefit of being close to him, even though we're not worthy. Yeah. So, yeah. I do want to get to, yeah. uh, and this is kind of skipping a couple. We already did like 11 sovereign, um, but skipping one or two. Yeah, gracious. Uh, God, that just means we get the gift. Yeah. Got. We don't deserve the gift, but you still get it. Right. right. Yes, yeah, so we talked about that a little earlier. And so the this listener also asked kind of about just, wanted you to expand a little bit more. Wasn't sure if she kind of quite picked up on what you were, you were putting down, um, specifically in the question of, uh, God is just because he wants to work through me to bring justice and mercy to others. That's that's the question. Is that why God is just? Yeah, so uh, beginning, God established <laughs> and rules and reigns, right? And he built a kingdom and he invited us into it. We wrecked it. We wrecked it. You see it in Genesis 2. We wrecked it. Genesis 3, we wreck it. And so what we see is a world not the way that God originally intended it because it's filled with sin and brokenness. And he tells us that one day he will make all things new and he will make all things sad untrue right he'll um he'll take away every tear and every pain and so the reality is the way by which he does this so important is through resurrected living right mm -hmm. so what jesus does is he was perfect glorious all those things then he steps out of his sovereign place next to god and he steps on this earth incarnate to live the life we should have lived then died the death we should have died because the reason the only way that our sin can be covered is if there's uh, you know, death, that's not So Jesus does that. But the problem, the really glorious thing, you cannot miss this, right? Is we could all die for that sin, but guess what? We'd all stay dead. Yeah. So you could, but then it's just the end, the end. So God either goes, I said, wipe them away, they die, and they spend an eternity because your soul can't get away from that. It's built forever because that's how God created it, right? It's so glorious. And so that part of it, either God can go, tough luck. You die. No, you get to enjoy whatever your pleasures were in an eternity disconnect from me. By the way, there'll be very little pleasure in that because you'll end up ruining your life. That's what hell is. It is an eternal trajectory away from God, right? And so that's what hell is. And so, so God goes, either you do that, you die, and that's the end of it. Because you can't bring yourself back to life. Or, 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 God could die, which is beautiful. Cover the price of all the sins for all of us who receive that. Acknowledge him as Lord and boss. And then he can get resurrected because he's God. He's allowed to do that. And then he can invite us into that resurrected life. So we can live literally through him, not in Adam, but in Jesus. So we get all that. So what that means is when Jesus did that in the first century, what he did is he came back to life. And he established this opportunity for a resurrected life for the, all those who are born again, whose eyes are open. And so what that means is while we're not fully there, we as Christians get to go ahead and start living that resurrected life and start establishing the kingdom on earth that God originally intended. And we know that to be the case because Jesus actually, when he told us to pray, told us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done. Where? On earth as it is in heaven. So we know that to be the case. And so justice just means we are establishing God's kingdom in the way that he said. So you know Revelation. You can read about no more sadness, no more tears, no more pain. People will not should not be hungry. People should not be excluded. This world is the world that he's gave us to establish his kingdom yeah. now. So every time we see pain and sorrow, our job is to live in this resurrected life. Now, what's really important here, we talk about social justice. Social justice, like let's talk about giving kids shoes or building a wheelchair ramp. Those are really good things. But the reality is those only make our comfort levels on earth a little better until we die, right? So the the statement I made out 
you know, in, in the parking lot this weekend. I think it's really important. Social justice without the gospel is actually a really grave injustice, right? At some point, we want people not only to, to remove the obstacles, hunger, you know, racial injustices, pain, sorrow, remove all these things so they can see and hear Jesus so that they can receive the gospel, live the resurrected life, and enjoy him forever. And that's really, really important. Enjoy him forever. So the justice piece is because God has already invited us to enjoy him forever and understand that our job is then to go and love our neighbors as ourselves and bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. Why? Not so their life will be comfortable. Not so that uh, politically people will get along, but so they can see that there's a resurrected life that's available to them. So they and I and you and me, all of us can enjoy God forever. That's why Jesus came. So you and I can enjoy him forever. And that means every other person we interact with as well. Yeah, that's, that's good. I think that that answers even part of their other questions. So when we see pain, when we yeah. see hurting, then we have the opportunity to jump in. And that was one of their questions. How can they find yeah. people to help quietly in the name of Jesus during COVID? And, um, yeah, so what you're going to hear us talk about a lot is loving your neighbor. Yeah. Um, Luke 11, we get a real clear description of what loving your neighbor is. That's what living in this resurrected life looks like, loving your neighbor. And that just means anyone you come in contact with, anyone you're near. By the way, Jesus is also near. We'll see that and God is near. Anyone who's there with you, anyone close by, anyone who has a need, which is everybody, those people we're supposed to love and care for and participate in this with. So justice means we look people in the eyes, we give them the dignity that God has established in them, and we remove the obstacles so they can see and know and hear and experience. Jesus the same way that hopefully we have yeah well uh, I think we are pretty much out of time unless our recording just turned off we'll find out in a moment <laughs> um, anything else that you would want to add or just didn't make it to the cutting cutting room floor no nope, I would say come back this week we'll cover some more come back next Tuesday I think we covered plenty uh, yeah. <laughs> for this round um, really really important glad we started with God is eternal because I think yeah. those are important so you got just and you got humble so crazy that he is a God who gives and serves when he doesn't have to, really something we should model. Yeah. And then God is faithful that he is seeing all these things and bending and shaping all these things. He is not far from us, no. and he is at work in us. So let's let him do that, and let's participate with him. Yeah. But that's it. All right. Well, thank you, everyone, for joining us. Hopefully you are encouraged and you continue to grow in your walk. We will be here next week. Please let us know if you got questions, and we will see you next time.